You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes. And even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will arrive So I'll stand down and be J-U-I-C-Y Hello, welcome to the Get Fucking Real show. I'm Lisa Cherney, I'm your host, and I have a juicy guest here today. And we're going to be talking about creativity and what happens when we don't pay attention to our creativity. In fact, my question for you is, is your creativity fully expressed or are you feeling more repressed around your creativity? You know, now if somebody asked me that, probably even a couple months ago, I would say, what creativity? (laughs) I had this story that I wasn't necessarily a creative person because I was equating it to like painting, you know, or like my husband, he's a singer. And and by the way, if you don't know, he is the voice of the introduction of the GFR show. So he is amazing voice and can do voiceovers, doesn't, but can do that. So that's what creativity meant for me, you know, is, you know, those more obvious things, right? Making jewelry. (laughs) My daughter's a graphic artist like that. For me, I realized my creativity is around my expression and what that expression looks like. And I love to create training and I love to create shows like this one. And so that's what my creativity looks like. And so today's guest, Michelle P.W., her full name is Michelle Prezawasik, but she goes by Michelle P.W. She is a best-selling and award-winning fiction and nonfiction writer. And on the fiction side, she actually writes psychological thrillers and um, suspense books and has a popular blog. And her story today talks about how denying that part of herself was extraordinarily painful and what it was like when she finally and like what it took to finally get her to uncork that part of herself. She is now has five books um, five nonfiction books in her love-based business series, and I believe it's four books or five books on the fiction side as well. And, you know, she talks about, you know, one thing that one person said to her that really was a huge catalyst for her going underground with her creativity and her fiction writing. So lots of good thought-provoking questions for you, the listeners, on today's episode. And uh, she's been a good friend of mine for, gosh, 15 years. Um, And we even did a business partnership and released a course together about 10 years ago. 
And it was a huge pivotal, pivotal time for both of us. And she is a, an exceptional um, response-based copywriter, as we call it in the biz of the online world, and now has a copyrighted company and has sold over $50 million worth of products and services over the past eight years. So I can't wait for you to meet her. And, you know, this episode happens to be released on Halloween. So let's uh, get all creepy spooky. It's funny when you meet her to like think that she actually writes these psychological thrillers. I think that's what's so fun about creativity is that often you meet people and it's like kind of a disconnect between their creative expression and who you see them to be, which actually really speaks to what a powerful outlet our creativity is and how important it is to have expression and how detrimental it could be when we are in repression with it. So without further ado, Michelle P.W. Michelle P.W., welcome to the Get Fucking Real show. I'm so excited. I'm so glad to be here. So thank you for thank you for inviting me, and thank you for us getting both getting this together. Yes, and thank you for inviting like yourself in a way and being like I'm supposed to be on your show. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I guess that was more what happened. <laughs> that was more that what happened, and I think it's fucking awesome. And uh, when guests come to me uh, to tell their story, it's like it's an honor. It's like yeah, I have something I want to share that I haven't you know shared in a wide audience. You know, you know sometimes it's literally a confession they have not shared it at all. Like uh, Maribel, whose episode aired you know a week or so ago, who just like, I've never shared this. This is where I want to share it. And so, um, yeah, I believe that there'll be aspects of your story that you haven't shared um, in this way. And I'm, uh, I'm happy to have a venue to help you do that. Well, I'm excited to, to be there. It's like, it's like you're like the priest or something. The, the <laughs> there is something to We're that. Professional. <laughs> yeah, since, I'm, since I'm talking to a copywriting expert, I'll tell you that I was just editing an email and I was talking about the commandments, commandments have confession questions, questions that yes. go with it. And I'm sending the email on Sunday. So I had to tweak the copy to say, I think it's kind of appropriate that we're talking about these confessions on a Sunday. <laughs> I know, you know, and it is. You got commandments. You got confessions. You yes, I think this is like the new GFR religion. I it's. I like the GFR religion because it's funny. As a Jew, it's like I don't resonate with either of those things. We, you know, we don't really, you know, we have the commandments as you know part of our what we, you know, what we the Bible or whatever. But it's not like we live by them, and then the we don't do confession at all. And so it's like funny that the Jew is like you know commanding and confessing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. Um, I am super excited to jump in and, and, you know, our listeners now know that we are telling GFR wormhole stories. We are telling stories about, about how somebody's like next level or new iteration or new, new, like evolution of their mission is birthed. And it's often through what I call necessary struggle and it doesn't need to be y'all, but it often is. And so Michelle is with us, um, to share with us her journey and hers is, is about her creativity. And um, I think we've had one other guest really address, address how creativity can be stifled and, and, um, and it really missed, you know, from our lives when we um, need to GFR and we're, not, and we're not doing it. So tell us what your business and your life looked like before, you know, the the GFR moment that we're going to be leading up to here. So I, I, so I actually want to go back even a little farther than that because Great. my, I guess the lie I was telling myself, I'm already sort of jumping ahead, but I 
always wanted, I taught myself to read when I was three years old because I wanted to write fiction. So you'd think that I would be writing fiction. So, and I, I did write fiction on and off and I had some other things coming up. But what happened was in basically, I, I started the, the becoming a freelance copywriter, which was the first iteration of what my business turned into, which is growing a, you know, a, a multiple six figure uh, copywriting company. And when I first started as a freelance copywriter, my idea always was that my copy business was going to was going to support the fiction. So that was like I was going to bring in the money that way, and then and then I was going to be able to write fiction on this, uh, you know, and, and write fiction. So the first the first thing that happened that kind of put a put a glitch into that was I went in 1998. This was like remember this was because well, I'm old, so there was no internet. There wasn't internet. But it it's was, so funny that you're saying because I'm old because of course you and I have known each other for ten years, something like that. And when you go back to where remember I'm old, I'm like uh, excuse me, you may be old, but I'm not old. <laughs> but the point is. It really was a very, very, very different world when it came to having an independent, you know, entrepreneur business and what does that look like and how do you get clients and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so if, so if you think back, I mean, there wasn't internet, so I don't want to say, I mean, we did have email, but, uh, you know, it wasn't, it was not like it was today. I mean, that was, it was even before there was this, there was this little spat of time where big corporations used to say www dot and then their, their URL website name. And that was like the big rage. And that, and that happened actually after 1998. I think it was like 2002 or something. But anyway, so I went, so there's no like online business programs. There is no any of that. So I, but I wanted to put on my big girl panties and start a business. So I went to go to see SCORE. And I, cause I, that was the only thing I could think of. And I got a free counselor. And when the counselor found out I wanted to be a freelance copywriter, he invited uh, a retired copywriter to come talk to me. And I was so excited. I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm going to get all these tips on how to build my business. Well, she spent the whole time trying to talk me out of it, out of starting a copywriting company. Wow. Period. And yes, she was like, can you get your job back? No, I can't get my job back. Cause I did. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like, can you get your, so I had a job at the city of Prescott. I just quit. Can you get it back? No, I can't get it back. And I really couldn't get it back. So I wasn't the, and she said, well, you know, it's really hard being a, a freelance copywriter. Um, do you have clients? And I said, yeah, I've got two right now. Okay. So are you sure you can't get your job back? No, I can't get my job back. This is the way it went for 40 minutes. You know, you could work full, you could get a job and you could work during the day and you could do this at night and build it up. I can't do that. So finally we get to the end. And she says to me, um, all right, well, I guess I can't talk you out of it. So here's a couple of tips, which were useless. So the whole thing was ridiculous because as you could, as, as what happened is that I, I was, I was perfectly able to sustain uh, being a freelance copywriter for five years. And then I parlayed that into a copywriting company. But when we were leaving, I said to her, I, part of the reason why I'm so excited about freelance copyright is I can write my fiction. And she got this look of horror on her face. It was like, <gasps> Don't say any, don't tell anybody that. She actually gasped too. Um, don't tell anybody that because they will never take you seriously as a copywriter. And even though she's, even though nothing, nothing that she said was accurate, that stuck with me. So my fiction writing became my dirty little secret. So I did actually write two novels that I, that, you know, I subsequently published, but 
at the time I wrote two novels and I did try to go to traditional fiction route and that didn't end up going. And then uh, about 2007, 2008, that was when, you know, the copywriting part of it was starting to take off. So I actually made a decision to put the fiction writing on hold until I got the copywriting company going. But what I didn't realize, and remember, I really was, I still wasn't telling anybody. So this was still kind of like a dirty little secret. Um, but what I didn't realize when I, when I made that decision was the copywriting company was never going to be ready to support the fiction. So, you know, putting all my attention into that, if I, the, the sheer fact I made that decision, I didn't make the decision to, you know, if I instead asked myself then, how can I build a copywriting company and write fiction at the same time? How can I do that? Instead of just saying, okay, so I'm going to build a copywriting company up and, and get it working and then, and then do fiction. That never worked. So the copywriting company kept growing and growing and growing. And it was great. And um, I, I, never, and I, and I, I was never having any time. I would always be like, well, I'll start writing fiction in six months after this big project, or I'll start it next year or, this or that or the other. I mean, I was just, it was constantly lying to myself. Yeah. And so you, you, even though in the beginning when you were, before you created the copywriting company, when you were just a freelancer, it sounds like you were still writing, like you still had that outlet and you were like giving yourself time to write fiction. Is that right? Yes, I did. I, I wrote two, the Stolen Twin and Mirror Image, which I, which I did subsequent publish and we can talk about that, but I, I wrote those 2000, to 2003 2004 so those those three years i was writing fiction but again it was like on the side when, I, when right right and when you decided to create like be all you know official and like and scale into a copyrighted company you made the decision i'm, I'm gonna put that on hold i'm not even gonna like dabble it on the side or anything until the company is up and going Yes, and part of the reason why I made that decision, it was extremely painful to write the fiction. See, so the thing is, is what I was doing 2003, 2004, 2005, I hadn't, I hadn't done the emotional work I needed to do to be able to sustain writing multiple things. So it was painful. And rather than, again, you know, this was before I really even delved that much into my own self-development. So again, rather than exploring that, like, you know, in fact, Andrea Lee at, at one point, this was years later, said to me, I, you know, I don't see why you can't do both, why, why it has to be painful. But, you know, I, I, didn't, I couldn't get to that question. So um, instead, so because it was painful, I mean, I felt like I was tearing myself apart, actually, trying to write both ways. It was really, it was very painful. Um, I just, that's part of the reason why I finally was like, okay, it's too painful to try to do both. So I'm just going to do the one. And then eventually come back and and then and then I I I guess and then at some point I thought I was going to magically be able to like do both I don't know I don't really know yeah. what well, isn't that interesting because what I, end result <laughs> well I know and what it, what's so fascinating is like I'm hearing a head and, a distinctive head and heart like uh, parallel conversation going on right so your head was like I'm going to put this on hold until I get the company up and running and then I'll I'll start doing it again and your heart was like this is hard and this is not feeling good. And so I'm gonna set it aside and oh, logic, thank you for underscoring my decision by making it about my business and not about the emotional shit going on. Exactly, and the thing is, is I was so repressed and I was terrorized to even um, 
think of to, to delve anywhere near the whole fiction thing. In fact, do you remember at um, at Lisa Sasevich's first event, she had Tim um, Tim, Tim Kelly, Tim Kelly. Yeah, and he had, you know, he did the, that was the first time we did conversations with God or, or whatever, and we did that journal writing, and it was interesting because, um, you know, what came up was work on your fiction, and I was like, no, I can't work on my fiction yet, the f business isn't there, and I'm pushing that down, and then working, so that's how it was, I was like, I was terrified to even touch that, it was like this little, like, hand grenade or something that was just like I was afraid of you know it might go off and then I don't know what would happen so it yeah was well yeah and I, I thank you for sharing that and I I, I want to pause a little bit longer on it because I feel like this is like a really pivotal and important and poignant moment that many people have that they're not conscious to in fact they may even be in one of those moments right now where where their head is creating a very convincing logical decision as to why not to do something or why to forget about something, why to put something off to the side. You know, when the kids, you know, leave, when that, you know, they're in college, you know, when I finally get divorced, you know, when I finally lose the weight, you know, we can go on and on, you know, about how we do that, right? And, and to, to really um, pause on this moment to, to, for our listeners to kind of think about where is that showing up in their lives? And, and then to, I love that you talked about, you know, that it was trying to come up. Like it was like, it's like, you know, it's like the beach ball that you're trying to push under the water that keeps coming up. And I remember that event, you know, and we had Lisa Sasevich on the show, we had Andrea Lee on the show and I should get Tim Kelly on the show. And, you know, he has, you know, in his, in his book, which I wish I knew the title of off the top of my head, but we'll put it in the show notes this sort of way to write to different parts of yourselves. And, you know, it kind of is kind of like conversation with God, but it's all, he kind of takes the God out of it and kind of makes it more accessible, but it is about sort of accessing different parts of yourself and having conversation. So you're saying that when you did that exercise, like you got like write your fiction and you were like, no, no, no. Like, shh, I didn't hear that. La, 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 la kind of thing. It really did. I mean, for years, that was the same. I mean, I kept constantly getting that and a message and I just kept pushing it away and I kept talking around it and I kept doing this. And it was just, it was, you know, it was so exhausting. And I think that, and that's the thing. It's like, you don't, when you're fighting that much with yourself, you don't realize how much energy you are using to push that away. Energy, by the way, that I could have used um, to write fiction and write nonfiction and write copy and not have any problems with it. But because I was fighting with myself at, in, in this such intensity, there was no energy left. I was exhausted. So I mean, that's the thing. I was exhausted. And because I was so, and that's the thing, that's the catch 22. Because you're fighting with yourself, you're tired, you're exhausted. So then the last thing you think you should should do is start to do a different project because you're like I'm already exhausted how on earth can I possibly fit this in so but if you don't fit this in you're going to keep being exhausted because you're going to keep fighting with yourself so so that that's the thing so it doesn't it, there's no there's no win-win and so my my answer was I'll just make more money because for some reason I thought that was going to make it all better and it didn't make and it you're all. not the only one <laughs> I'll just make more money and then I don't know what then I can go get massages or you know or take vacations you know that that's how I looked at it. it's like okay I'll make more money and then I can go do the self-care stuff you know all the stuff that we you know we're told to do in the self-care and I didn't need any of that self-care stuff I just needed to write fiction so 
and, and creativity is, you know, for my, my husband is uh, creative at heart and when he, and he's a singer and a songwriter. And when he doesn't get that, it like, it's like, it's like medicinal, right? It's, it's like his meditation. It's like, it's like any of those things that you, that you characterize as like feeding us, nurturing us, you know, having us come alive. Like that's what his creativity, you know, is for him. And so that's what I'm hearing you say is, you know, that all you needed to do was to do your thing was to, to let those creative juices flow and, ex and to have that expression that express that part. It was almost like these stories were like living inside of you and draining your energy. <laughs> yes, that was exactly it. I know it was so, it was so, it's such a thing. Sometimes you have to do the thing that seems the most counterintuitive in the moment. So, and then because it, it's like, when am I going to have time to write fiction? So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I've already, I'm already got all this other stuff that I'm doing. How can I possibly fit that in? I mean, on the surface, that sounds perfectly logical, but again, it was, but then the, uh, but then the fighting with yourself is what, is what drains your energy. You know, the, the, the pushing that beach ball down, the, the, the you know, you know it, that you have absolutely no idea how much energy that, that, that it takes a tremendous amount of energy to keep doing that. And you've or, only now learned that in retrospect. Like when you look yeah. back, you see that. Yes, exactly. So I don't know if I would see the thing is, is that I, I, there is a, I was so repressed. I don't know if like, if like back then, like in 2011, if I, if I, I don't know if I would, I don't know if, I don't know what I could say to myself to get me to, to have shifted sooner. I wish there was. So if you are listening, um, you know, don't be me. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm waiting for some profound statement from Michelle W. Don't be me. <laughs> don't, don't just don't let it keep me. going till the universe decides to step in because that's always worse. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that the, the crux of all these stories, right? It's like yeah. the universe does step in and it does always feel worse. And my intention with the show is and they, people can have a steady diet of these stories that it does allow for the more gentle steering of the ship. And sometimes that's not what's meant. You know, it's like one of those, you know, it is an interesting um, thing to navigate. You know, when do you need the struggle and when do you not need the struggle? And, and you could avoid some and then other, you know, maybe you avoid some from hearing the show and list not being Michelle. <laughs> but then there might be others. So, okay, so, so you, you built up a multiple six-figure copywriting business. It's funny because around 2011 is when you and I, I believe that's when, or maybe it was before that, maybe a year or two before yeah, that actually. We started that, yeah, with the Juicy program. So we were doing that. and then Yeah. I mean, that was like my first partnership with anybody, you know, as they call in the online world affiliate, no, joint venture partnership, like literally yeah. where we put our work together and then we launched the thing together and, you know, it, the Juicy Online Marketing Bootcamp. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, that was such a great project. And it was funny because I love how when we talk about it, I say how I got the best deal because, you know, I got the copywriter and I didn't have to worry about writing all the copy. And you're like, I got the best deal because I didn't have to worry about leading the webinar and making the yeah. offer and doing all those things. So uh, well, and you also like led the calls. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things that you did that were really, that was, that, that I, I was like, I felt like I could be color commentary, which was a better place. Which was great, which, was, which worked out perfect. And I think those are the best partnerships when each of the other, when each person feels like they got the best deal, <laughs> you know, they got the best. Yeah, it was really, it was really great. It was, uh, so I, I kind of drop it into, and I've done this with a couple of guests, kind of like they tell their story and then I'm like, oh, where was I? You yeah. know, like with Christine Closer, I mean, we walked down memory lane with her, um, her 
uh, network or networking group that she started in LA and like how integral that was, you know, for me and then, you know, what was going on for her at the time. And so, um, yeah, that's really fun. Okay. So, so, um, so I feel like there's a pressure cooker that's building here. And so what happens next? So in 2013 is, is, is when it started the shift. Um, and so I, cause I, I actually opened it. It was Christine Morassi, Christina Morassi's who you also had on. I did. Yes. And we were in, I still remember this. It was December. We were at an event, we had lunch and I started to talk about, okay, so what would happen if I started writing books and I got like a hundred thousand people buying a book a year. So, or being, or buying two books a year. I mean, so that's hundred thousand people. You get $2 from Amazon. That's $200,000. Boom. A six figure business. Okay. So how, how would that happen? So I started playing around with that question and then things started to shift and not, and, and, and so things got rocky because I started also feeling my emotions, which I needed to feel. So my mother got di diagnosed with cancer in 2012. That's what started it. And then it was the, the following year in 2013, because I, that's dealing with starting to deal with that is what caused me to start to question. So then I started opening that question up with Christina that, cause that, that was in 2013. So the diagnosis and your mom lived with cancer and battled cancer for yes. a little while. And so it was like having that in the backdrop of your life, yes. you know, for a period of time is what so she was diagnosed October, 2012. And that was when things started to really shit. And so then, yeah, so then it was after that she was, and then it was two, it was a year later. So 2013, we thought she was doing better and I had gone to a bunch of events in 2013. And then that's when I started to really think about this. So, but then she, she died 2015. And uh, what happened, it was interesting because, um, in, in in 2014 in november of 2014 so she had so she she ended up being in or not november september 2014 um she went to the icu we all thought she was going to die and i i you know we dropped everything did the whole like spending a week in the hospital and i remember this one particular day on thursday and i never forgot this because um my sister and i my younger sister and i were taking turns like i was i was the day shift she was a nice shift my dad my dad had been with her a lot, but my dad, you know, he was, he was, he was, he was letting us sit with my mother. So uh, my mother actually had a, um, her heart stopped. My dad was there and then he left me. <laughs> so, um, she was fine. They stabilized her. And then I was in the ICU with her. And then, yeah, he left. I still remember. So I'm all alone with my mother who was, you know, she had the breathing tube. She couldn't talk. Um, and um, I and I'm sitting there and the doctors are coming in and they're and the doctors, you could tell they were they were clearly without saying it, just going to die. They, they were saying it, you know, with all this. They were trying to prepare us. And I was holding my mother's hand and I was crying. And I'm trying to read to her. And I kept thinking over and over again in my head, I'm not going to die with my books inside me and let go and let God. Those are the two things that I just kept repeating to myself over and over and over again. And um, so then the next day, believe it or not, my mother survived. <laughs> she had this miracle recovery. Nobody could believe it. So it was great. So we had, we had about nine months with her because she ended up passing um, June, the end of June of 2015. So in the middle of this whole thing where she's still around and, 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 and it's great, February of 2015, I get this hit that I have to start writing fiction. And I'm like, talk you about- get the hit again. Yeah. 
And I'm, I talk about the timing, like, oh, come on. I can't start writing fiction. I haven't written fiction in eight years. I mean, it's like, it's like in how, now it's like, I'm, you know, I, you know, I, I, I could go, I have to go back and forth and see my mother. I got the, you know, I got to do this, you know, but by that time I had been, had enough two by fours and I, I did make up, I asked the universe for gentle lessons. And then one of the things that I realized after you asked for that, I realized, okay, so if I'm going to get gentle lessons, I have to actually listen to the hits. I have to listen to the gentle hits. If I don't listen to the gentle hits, I'm not getting gentle lessons. <laughs> so another thing to know, if you want, if you want things to be gentle, you got to listen to the nudges. So um, I, I thought, all right, so I started writing. I started writing and it was awful because like, I hadn't written for so long. So I had to start, the, I, you know, so it took me a while, but that book ended up being, it began with a lie, which was, which I have released since then. And What's it, was, it called? I'm sorry. Say it again. It, called, it began with a lie. It began with a lie. And it was my first, it's, I write psychological thrillers and it was the, my first trilogy. So that was the first book, the whole, all three, all three books in the trilogy are done and out and published. Wow. And then after my mom died, I released the first two books that I'd written way back in, in secret in my little, um, I, you know, Stolen Twin was the first one, December, 2015. And then Mirror Image, I released six months later. And one of the things that happened is when I was releasing that book, The Stolen Twin, in fact, you were there. We were, we were with, we were at, we were at Lisa Sasevich doing like a team meeting and I talked about it. And Lisa said to me, how is it that we didn't know that you wrote fiction? And that's when it brought me home how that person had said to me, you know, don't tell anybody and how I'd kept it such a secret. It, it didn't really even, it didn't land until Lisa said, how, how did we not know you were writing fiction? And that was when I'm like, oh my God, it was this dirty little secret and I've got to fix all that. So then I had, so then that was, that was part of what I really need to do was sort of come out and stop lying to myself and stop lying about this, this other side of me. And as it turned out, everybody thinks it's cool. <laughs> so nobody is thinking, oh my God, you're writing fiction. Therefore we can't like use you for copy. Nobody said that. It, oh, it's so fucking important to have an awareness of where we, the source of the lies we tell ourselves. Yeah. And then not just the source, but to, because once that person says it, they're, they're out, the, who knows what happened to this lady from score, right? But you, now it's you, you're repeating it. Yeah. You're, you're, you're internalizing and repeating it. And, oh my God, it's so common that we, you know, we had J.R. Burgess who talked about the, his fifth grade teacher making fun of his ears and it just completely changed the course of his life. Like this, you know, one person saying this one thing at a, like at a pivotal, critical, vulnerable, you know, time. And so what I'm hearing you say is that you didn't actually remember, like you weren't really cognizant of this woman and that she said, keep it a secret. And that you were actually doing what this woman said and that she was like the instigator until a client says, how come we didn't know you were writing fiction? And then you're saying like, you kind of like all of a sudden all the pieces came together. Yeah, I'd totally forgotten about that whole conversation. Cause it's so funny, you know, cause we see that every now and then on Facebook, like, you know, what's the worst business advice you ever got? And I didn't even really remember that. I didn't really think about it until that. And so all of a sudden I'm like, Oh my God, I totally forgot this happened. <laughs> so 
Do you think that, so I want to work a theory. So my theory is that we don't internalize those messages unless we already have a current insecurity about it. Yeah, no, I think that's totally it. That's, I think it fed into that insecurity that I was already having that I wasn't going to be, I don't know, um, respected or, or something. So no, no, I do think that's why, because nothing else that she said stuck with me. You know, I never went back and got a job. I never, you know, it's like, and I, I didn't, and that, and the thing is, is that I brushed all that off. I'm like, well, I'm going to figure this out. And so, so, so that part, I, 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 that part didn't do And Like I said, her tips were kind of crap and I just was like, all right, whatever. So nothing else she said stuck except that. So obviously that wasn't in, that was some sort of, security. otherwise, if, 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 you know, otherwise I probably, I would have gotten a job if I had just like been listening to her. In, right. Know, so, right. You know. So, so you're, so after your mom survives her near death experience, um, you start to write and yeah, right so, months. And then, but then I started writing. Yeah. So it was interesting how it all fell into place because I, I struggled with that first book for a while and then it started to slowly come together and, uh, you know, I found my fiction back writing that book. So, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. And then after she passed, you published the other two novels that you had written years and years ago. I started by publishing the, those novels. That was the first thing. And then when I stole, and then, so here I'll share this story too, which is funny. So I took, I took the stolen twin. That's the first book. And I, I, I published it in, in December. And then I decided to get, you know, I didn't really know anything about how to promote a fiction book. So, but one of the things I did know was somebody had said to me, go get a Kirkus review. They can help. So I went, okay, so you, these are paid. A reviews. what? A what? Kirkus. K I. K-I-R-K-U-S. Kirkus Review. Okay. So this is actually, if you're in the literary writing circle, I'd heard of Kirkus Reviews long before. So they actually were, they're, they're actually this, this well, you know, they, they've got a reputation. So to me, it's like, oh, having the Kirkus Review was, was kind of like, <laughs> goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to pay for it, which I did. And I was, I was, I thought that I was going to get a, a good review. So it didn't really occur to me that I wouldn't. And then I got the review and the person hated it. She hated my book. She panned it. It was like, in fact, I, I burst into tears and my husband walked in and I'll never forgot that. And he's like, he wanted to tell me something else. And I'm sitting there crying. He's like, what happened? And I said, I got this horrible review from Kirkus. She hated it. And my husband's like, oh, she can't have hated it. And so I showed it to him and he read it and he's like, okay, she didn't. (laughs) And then I cried harder and I was so mortified that I'd gotten this bad review. I was going to launch the book and like, like do an official launch and send an email. And I almost canceled it. I was like, I was like so convinced, like I almost canceled it. I almost, I was thinking about unpublishing the book. I was thinking, oh my God, I just want to stop this whole train. And then, um, and then one of my friends was like, uh, no, you are not. And so this don't listen to this. And so, um, and she, you know, so I, I had enough, you know, my entrepreneurial friends who are like, do not listen, um, go do it and don't worry about it. And that turned out to be like my best selling book to this day. It's still my best selling book. So it's got uh, almost, it's got 190 reviews right now with a 4.1 average. So, um, yeah. So people, people like it. So even, so that's another thing too. So sometimes you can start, you know, and I just, I watched Bohemian Rhapsody and uh, Freddie Mercury, you know, she, he had the fight to get Bohemian Rhapsody out as a single. So he gets it out as a single. And then what happens is he immediately gets panned by the critics. So um, part of the reason why I bring this up is that, 
you can embrace what you're, you've been fighting. And then the very first thing that happens is like what looks like, like, like the universe saying, no, you're not supposed to do that. And uh, so, so I, um, I don't think that was the message. I think part of the message is that, you know, with, when you're mad at, like, you know, Elizabeth Purvis talks about this, when you're manifesting big things, sometimes the worst things, you know, you also manifest your, your biggest fears. So I think you need to keep that in mind too, that um, if, you're, if you're fighting something and uh, you decide to do it, um, you may, it may not be the smoothest entry. You may get like, you know, the first thing that happens might be this total slap in the face, but that, that don't read that as, oh, I'm not supposed to be doing it. So read that instead as this is maybe what also came up because this was such a big thing and it was such a massive transfer, massive shift that you're also bringing up some of your worst fears around it. That's a really great point. I really, I really like that. Uh, perspective on it. I've, you know, there's, I've, I've heard multiple different things about, you know, when you ask for what you want and then you get, you get, you know, the resistance, you know, that you then have to lean into. And I, and I like the characterization of it as, you know, that you could also manifest your worst fear, you know, because, you know, when you're, yeah. Well, you're manifesting, you're like, like, you manifest this, yeah. and you manifest that. Everything comes up. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like when I was launching GFR and I was excitedly telling my quote unquote trusted colleagues about it who said, oh, you, you, are you sure you want to do that? Do you have to use the F word? I'll brainstorm with you to think of other titles. And, you know, it seems like you're trying too hard and you're not going to, you know, you're really going to turn some people off that you should be helping. And, you know, and uh, yeah, I was like, well, and then iTunes um, banned your podcast too, so that's another. Yes, thing. and iTunes banned the podcast for three weeks. We in our in our eight week, you know, your eight you get eight weeks to be no, new and noteworthy. Yeah. Three of those weeks we were gone, and so that fucked that all up, which was which was really interesting because there was so much energy focused on like that and you know getting to be new and noteworthy and all that and and we are fucking noteworthy that's for sure anybody who listens to the show they're just like oh my god i love what you're doing and they start binging and and all that and so any of your listeners that like they listen to this episode this is your first one wait till you hear all the other episodes um, but yes now now it's like claim to fame you know we got banned from itunes for three weeks because we used the word prostitute um in one that was our, it that that, was well that was it and then there were some there were some technical things that happened in the background with how the show was pulling in that uh, iTunes was seeing some things that we didn't know that they were seeing and we were trying to scrub and be all good and all that, but they're not super, super clear about how to be good. You kind of have to learn the hard way. So we learned the hard way, no big deal, but yeah, that was for sure a huge inner journey for me um, because, right, because you think, oh, I need them. Like that, what, where am I without Apple, you know, like, am I going to continue doing this? And, and then it's like, well, yeah, it helped me reconnect with my mission and the reason and all that. So yes. Yeah. So I love that embrace, you know, when you've been embracing what you've been fighting, you may get hit again, but don't use it as a, a reason to stop. Yeah. I, I, over the years, and I've seen this before and I, you know, cause I used, I've talked about this before, but over the years I have seen so many entrepreneurs who like, I usually saw this in the, in the connection of like a bad launch. Like they're, they finally go and launch whatever the thing is that they want to launch. And then it, and then it doesn't do as well. So then they got all these stories. In fact, I remember one of my friends, she's like this entire story. And I said to her, well, how many emails did you send out after your call? One, the replay, 
I'm like, well, that's why you didn't get anybody to buy. You got to send more than one email. So that's what I mean is like sometimes we're not very good at interpreting the messages that we get. So I just want to say that. And the logic and the logical explanation covers up what can be a much um, more fruitful exploration around spiritual and emotional right. you know, journey. Yeah. Immediately jumping to, oh my God, because you're, yeah, that, I mean, our head goes, oh my God, this is like, you know, this is it. This is, you know, because I, I think maybe because we go into it because, you know, we've, we've got so much on the line that we just read, we, we make up such ridiculous stories and unless and we're, we're like yeah that's the thing we can't interpret the messages ourselves so it's really important to when you get stuck like that go say some to, to somebody else because chances are since they're not so emotionally invested and they don't have your fears wrapped around it they're going to have a much clearer idea what's happening and give you a much better you know interpretation than what you just thought of <laughs> that's a really good point that's such a good point and you know, that's what the intention of the 12 GFR commandments is, is to write is that roadmap for getting real is that when you look at those confession questions that you're, it'll give you an entry point. It'll, it kind of skims away from the logic and gets into, you know, the other places of awareness. And, you know, particularly you liked number three, you were telling me um, the confession question is where am I not speaking my truth? And, you know, and it sounded like for a long, long time, you know, that was, you know, that was, that was holding you back from, you know, really diving into the fiction. Yes. Yeah. Because I, I wasn't speaking my truth because, and I, 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 I was, I, because the thing is, is that every time the truth tried to come up and say like, you know, you, you need to be writing your fiction, my, I, I spent all this energy pushing it away. So I wasn't letting the truth come up. So that was really what was, was happening. I wasn't speaking the truth to clients, you know, saying like, Hey, you know, maybe you want to read some of my fiction. Um, I wasn't speaking, so, and I wasn't speaking the truth to myself. So you um, mentioned that it was very painful to write fiction and that there were some things that you needed to address, emotional things, and that the, you know, and we talked about how the logic sort of helped that ship sail. Um, what do you want to share with our listeners around um, things that you then worked on later that helped to open up the gateway for your creativity around fiction? So the big thing is, is we, we, we do, we play a lot of games to not feel emotions. So the first step in this was I had to start feeling, feeling all my emotions because now, you know, when you think again, when you think about the tremendous energy that we, that we put that we have, trying to keep ourselves from feeling something unpleasant, like worry or grief or anger or whatever it is. That's the problem. So how did this come up with fiction? Well, with fiction, because um, I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't really all in the way I am now. Like now it's like fiction has a, you know, I, I you know, I've, I'm, I'm doing it all. Like I, I've got, you know, my nonfiction books. Um, I've got nonfiction books out there. I've got five nonfiction books, you know, talking about copywriting. Um, I've got, the five fiction books, three of which I've written since my mother passed in 2015. And I'm working on another one. Um, I've got two blogs, you know, a nonfiction one, a fiction one. I've got the copywriting. So, you know, I'm, and, you know, I'm able to do it all. But the thing is, is that when the, before the reason why I wasn't was because fiction again was kind of this dirty little secret and there's all this energy around like hiding it. You know, I can't like, 
you know, I can't start with fiction in the morning. That's like, that's not fair to my clients. I mean, all these like, I just weird stuff that I was just like, and so because I was, I had so much vested into this hiding it, that was why the energy was so my, you know, that's why, that's why there's so much emotional energy that I was trying to push away. And that's why that it was that, that I wasn't. So when I let every, when I let myself feel everything now, it's like, okay, so I start off, you know, you know, with fiction and then, you know, and then, and then after that, I move on to other things and it's not, it's not painful because I, I've let myself feel everything. So now I'm not fighting with myself. I'm not fighting with, you know, so if I feel sad one day, I feel sad one day. If I feel this, I feel this. So, you know, and then I just, okay, I feel it. And then I don't let it stop me. And then I still move forward to what I want to do. But that's the thing. It's like, you, you can, you can work more effectively than you realize feeling sad, worried, fear, anger, whatever. I mean, yes, you know, sometimes obviously, you know, when you're in the throes of deep grief, you just have to walk away. I'm not saying there aren't times where you can't do this, but really you can feel, you can, you can, you can feel and work and be more effective than you realize. And the more you do that, the more you realize that your feelings are, you know, okay, acknowledge them and just let them do what they're going to do. And then you do what you need to do. And all of a sudden you have far more energy to deal with everything and to get everything done. You can feel and work. It's so simple and so profound, right? Because <clears throat> we all think like, oh my God, I can't possibly, like if I let, I've talked to some people, uh, one of my friends who, who lost her father and she was saying she was so afraid to feel anything because she was afraid she was gonna fall apart. So that was the thing. It's like, we have that fear. It's like, oh my God, if we open the door and feel this tiny little thing, we're gonna like, we're gonna like explode. And we might initially, I'm not saying we won't, um, I mean, and initially, because if you've been height, you've been pushing it down, it may be overwhelming in the beginning. But once you've got through that initial surge, it's amazing how productive you can be. And it just, and it, it no longer controls your life. That's awesome. I think for me, I know that I often am feeling like those are in conflict. Right. And I think especially to sort of like the other end of people that are feel like they are super self-aware, you know, and for me, um, I'm really connected with my body and how my emotions impact my body. And sometimes I could feel tension in my chest, which people would call stress. And I don't even know what the fucking story is about it. Like, I can't even remember. Like, it could be something that triggered the pain in my chest like an hour ago. I can't even remember what stressed me out, but I have this feeling in my body. And what? tell me if you feel like this is a nuance with creative work, because I feel like creative work is fueled by emotion. Yeah, it is. And yeah, and with me, I know, and that's the thing. It's like how to, how to make it you, how to, how to have it, use it. So um, how to use it, how to use it for your work. Like, okay, so now here, how I'm going to personalize this for me, because I'm like now putting it all in this other category of creative work. But for me, now I'm connecting like with my GFR squad. That's where I go when I am feeling something and I, and I want to move through it. um, That is, that is where I go to feel and work because I can go there. I've created a space where I have this membership where 
that's, they want to be close to me. They want to be GFRing on a daily basis. And so that's where I go to feel and work. I go and I express. I'm freaking out. I express. I'm trying not to, like my, one of my things recently was like, like, I'm trying not to push and try too hard. I want to be more in the flow. And it's like, I go there to confess. And um, that's where I go to work and feel. So yeah, like if that would be a good question for our listeners to really ask themselves is like, where, where, where can you go to work and feel? Or what does it look like when you are simultaneously feeling and quote unquote working? Yeah, not, le- yeah. How can you, how can you move, to, how can you get on a sales call? This is really a powerful one in this, and if you can't do it, don't worry about it. But how can you get on a sales call and feel fear and scarcity and not use that to turn it into desperation? So that's actually because I've had to do that a couple of times. And the thing is, is that's that's actually really mind blowing. And if you want a way to really move through fear and scarcity, do that. But you got to be that's the thing. But you but you have to be so conscious that you don't allow yourself to slip into it. Do you think that you so when you've done it, do you I'm going to use this word. I kind of like this word, like transmute the feelings. Yeah into something else, like you kind of use that fuel. It's sort of like an actor or performer using their nerves, right? To fuel a great performance. So so, so, some tips are to pause. Um, So don't like, so, you know, so, so sit sit in that stew and feel without blurting something out. Cause when you blurt something out, that's when you, <laughs> I can guarantee whatever you're blurting is not going to help. Um, and then the other thing too, is if you fail at this and you do end up blurting, that's okay. The sheer fact that you've tried this exercise is going to make it easier the next time you do it. And it's also going to like chip away at those, you know, that, that emotions that you, that you've got built up inside. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. If you blurt, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. But try not to. So, so, so go into that without, yeah. with, the, with the intention not to blurt. The intention not to blurt. Awesome. Beat yourself up if you do. <laughs> So is there anything else you want to share around the crescendo of your opening around writing fiction after your mom passed and kind of like how it's impacted your life and your business um, since then? So before, um, before I did this, like I would get depressed in, in January um, you know, there's all these things that I couldn't figure out again, like, and I kept looking at the self care and I'm like, okay, maybe I need more massages. Maybe I need more time off. Maybe I need more blah, 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 blah. meditation and now, meditation is great. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying any of that isn't great, but so if you're, but if you're dealing with that and, and now that's all gone, like, I don't, I don't feel, I don't, I don't. I don't have any of that stuff the way I did. Now that I'm honoring everything, I'm just, I'm just happier and I'm more relaxed and I'm more peaceful and able to, and like I said, I can balance everything, which I didn't think I could. I never thought I could, but now it's, everything is just, is just very easily balanced. And, and why do you think that is? Because I'm finally, I, 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 I mean, I've always thought that I was, I was supposed to also be writing copy. That's how things got kind of confused. Like in some of, some of you out there who are listening, who are multi-purpose, multi, um, you know, or, you know, you have multiple interests. So, you know, and it's really, and multiple interests can be really, you know, they have, they have their own set of challenges. So the problem is if you don't honor all your multiple interests, multiple passions, this is what can happen. So the thing is that the more you can honor it, even if it's only 15 minutes a day, even if you only spend 15 minutes a day, you know, painting, um, that the fact that you're honoring it can just put you so much at peace. And then again, like I said, you're not fighting with yourself. So rather, so 
it's less energy to take 15 minutes a day and paint or write, a, you know, write a chapter to, you know, write a couple paragraphs. I mean, not a chapter, but, um, write a couple paragraphs in your fiction. It's less energy to do that than to spend the whole day arguing with yourself about why and giving yourself reasons and excuses why you can't take that 15 minutes to write. Beautiful. Beautiful. Final quote or quip or blurt. <laughs> I'm trying to think my favorite Einstein quote is um, it's like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. So I'll just end on that one. because I think that can always help. It's always, always revisit that one. <laughs> it is always good to revisit that one. Always, always, always. Well, you know, I used to lovingly call you the nutty professor because your brilliance would you like bowl me over. And then I, you know, when we were teaching, I would say, okay, they just need like 2% of what's in your brain, you know, and that will, you know, make huge success. So I love that you are channeling your creativity, your wisdom, your emotions, you know, into both your fiction and your nonfiction. We'll make sure that um, we have all the links in the show notes. And I'm just so glad to to have our, our purposes meet again and cross section here on the GFR show. I am too. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. What a fun conversation about the power of creativity. And to honor you as listeners, Michelle has two really awesome gifts. Um, one is on the fiction side and one is the nonfiction side. Let's really honor that multi-passionate aspect of ourselves. So she is giving our listeners her love-based copy template so that's for those of you that are entrepreneurs or out online writing your copy. And then for her fiction side, she is gifting you a copy of her novella, The Secret Diary of Helen Blackstone. So links to both are in our show notes. And we continued our conversation about multi-passionate people for our GFR squad members. And we talk about how to get started with something even when you are resisting it because you have a story that it's not making money or because somebody told you you shouldn't do it. So it's a very powerful segment on how to get started. And it's actually how she started up writing after eight years of not writing fiction. So if you're not a member of GFR squad, now would be a really good time to join. It's only 20 bucks a month, y'all. At least it, that's what it is right now. Um, or 200 for the year. And then you will get all of the bonus segments from all of our guests, as well as get to hang out and be closer with me and the front lines of my sometimes messy GFR process. <laughs> and of course, we have our monthly call that we do. We call it our confession call and we focus on one of the commandments and it is so freaking powerful. So if it's resonating for you to take more action around this GFR thing, um, enjoying the passivity of listening to the podcast, please do. Please subscribe. If you have not subscribed yet, please go do that. We have a link to subscribe in our show notes or just go to your favorite listening app like Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe so you don't miss any of the episodes. And if you want to take more action, please join us in the GFR squad. We'd love to meet you and get to know you and GFR with you. Until next time, over and out, y'all.